How you been, man? It's been so I'm, long. I know. Been a few years. Yeah. I know. You know, um, the uh, COVID messed all the counting up. So I don't know. Just a couple of years. Welcome to the Smartest Podcast, a show that is dedicated to helping you achieve success. I'm your host, John Colderize Lawson, entrepreneur and best-selling author. In this episode, you will hear from one of the most successful people in the world. So get ready to improve yourself by learning from those who have already found success. Yo, people, what is up? This is your boy, John, and we've got another fresh episode of The Smartest Podcast. And uh, I got a good old friend of mine. It's been a minute since we uh, played catch up. So you get to listen in on the catch up. I want to introduce you to my friend, Sam. And Sam, you introduce yourself. So my name is Sam Malakarja. I'm the CEO and co-founder here at OneScreen.ai. Um, I got to say, I, I love the confidence you and I share. So my book was called How to Sell Better Than Amazon. And your podcast is called The Smartest Podcast. Nobody is ever going to accuse us of setting our sights low. That's how you and I met was when we published that book, like uh, 12, 12 years ago or so, I think. Yeah, yeah, that has. Wow. 12 years ago, you published that? Yeah. That is yeah. amazing. Amazing. Wow. Okay. Time. Time, bro. It's insane. All right. So tell me where you are at. I see you got the OSAI for one screen. Uh, tell me just a little bit about what you do for one screen and who they are. Yeah. So um, sort of relevant to the kind of like joke that we made, right? Like back 12 years ago, uh, marketing was still kind of easy, right? Like I got a, a cigar website to rank for the term health insurance because I was bored uh, email marketing was just spamming your list three times a week with a coupon. Um, now like 20 years of nerds like you and me, uh, have been optimizing every imaginable channel, uh, and, you know, AdWords and Facebook and SEO and, you know, all this stuff is, um, so hard. It's like, ironically, podcasts are making to come back, right? Like, uh, you know, I got a catalog from Wayfair the other day. Wow. Uh, and, um, so what originally this started as uh, an accident. So me and a couple of former HubSpot alumni. So I was early on the team at a company called HubSpot, um, got together for the pandemic to see if we could find a way to help small business owners. Um, my CTO and co-founder, Andre, his wife was a doctor. She was working really hard helping people. And we're like, we're not doctors. Uh, I can barely use a Band-Aid properly. Um, but we're technologists, economists, so we could figure it out. We're like, what if there was a Google Display Network for the real world? So we had, I don't know if you're recording video or not, but we're like, basically, like, what if your TV paid you? So this is my barber in Boston. Uh, you really can buy these giant checks like this. <laughs> and we said, you know, what if there was like connected TVs that were intelligent in real time that he actually got money off of based on how many people were there? So if he could evolve and make money more ways than just cutting hair, because for those of you who can see the video or my headshot, you know, you don't make a lot of money cutting my hair. Um, or mine. And then, <laughs> exactly. You and I get to say, look. Yeah, all right. Uh, and it, so then 
it, you know, we handed, we handed out uh, a bunch of money. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then we did what we kind of half jokingly called a reverse stealth mode. We called all the companies in this industry, the out of home industry, Clear Channel, out front Lamar, told them what we were planning to do, realized everything we thought we knew was wrong. So it's the only traditional ad medium still growing. Uh, it's a performance marketing medium that can drive website activations, e-commerce transactions. It's not just for brand awareness. Uh, it's way more than just billboards. You can wrap an ice cream truck or do a drone formation, sponsor a little league team. Like there's an amazing amount of stuff that you can do. And for me as a marketer, like marketing kind of sucks now, right? We've all turned into spreadsheet jockeys, uh, just running our 5,000 AV test on AdWords. And this is the most fun I've had doing marketing since they invented social media. Um, and for it to also have, you know, a lot of data that can be associated with it. all the tricks we learned online about how to target an audience, how to tell a story, create an experience, how to create a funnel, how to convert people, how to measure a feedback loop and optimize a campaign over time. These things we don't take for granted, taking that into a four-dimensional context um, that's outside the internet. So that's, that's what we do is we help you just like you would online. Who, who do you want to reach? What's your goal? And then we help you decide what to buy. We help you buy it because this industry still runs on post-it notes and faxes. Uh, and then we help you measure the impact of your campaign so that your next buy gets smarter. Now, what do I do is I herd cats because CEO is a terrible job. No one told me this. Um, I'm very mad at the CEO from HubSpot. CMO, CRO, everything else is fine. But uh, yeah, for the, for the entrepreneurs in the audience who are listening, why did no one warn us? <laughs> I remember I, I had a buddy, I was in the airport one day, um, and uh, I don't know if you remember Cabbage, these guys started up, were, were a local thing, right? And so back in the day, we used to hang out with the CEO, the CTO, all the, all the C's, right? And then they grew up, they blew up, you know, and within 10 years, it was, you know, a unicorn. And so one day I'm in the airport here in Atlanta. I happened to be walking one way, the other way is the CEO. I was like, oh man, I haven't talked to you in a while. We got to play catch up, blah, blah, blah. But you know, the one thing he told me was it was almost the exact same thing you're saying about being the CEO. He's like, nobody ever told me that I was the last one to get paid. I was like, you know, it's just like all the things, all the things you become that thing. So, I mean, I find this to be, kind of fascinating. So what is it? You got screens everywhere and then you buy, you know, time on that screen. Yeah. So we, it, it's not just screens. It can be billboards, yeah. right? Um, it can be, you can wrap cars and drive them around. You can do an led truck. We flew a plane over the U S open. There's floating billboards in Miami, branded sandcastles. Um, wow. You know, it's just so much more than I ever thought possible. Uh, and it's, it's what makes it fun again, is you get to be creative again. Like I heard, I think it was Paramount did like a digital screen drag behind an airplane flying around Manhattan at night. And they, they projected, uh, the Starship Enterprise onto it. And it looked like the Starship Enterprise was flying around Manhattan because you couldn't really see the, the little biplane that was doing it. I'm like, that's just so clever. Yeah. And, you know, and we, people think that out of home is for big companies with more budget than brains. It's mostly used by smaller companies, by challenger brands who can't afford to buy their way out of the problem with just a higher CPC on AdWords. Um, and they assume it's, it's top of the funnel. It's like just brand awareness kind of stuff. Um, 
we're spoiler alert working on a study with Northeastern University they're doing the first ever academic study on like it can deterministically drive website visits and and um and conversions so to to be able to have that creativity along with the data is just it's it's so much fun and it's so cool too because it's you know like we had one customer who's the ceo of crossnet he's like a forbes 30 under 30 ceo and his mom commented on his linkedin post about was about his first billboard saying how proud she was of him i'm like one the 30 under 30 thing probably should have gotten in there but two like i spent like a hundred million dollars online on internet ads in the past 15 years and my mother has never called to say how proud she is of my facebook ads she hasn't seen them no she, hasn't, <laughs> she, might, right? she might not have ever been targeted it's it's but like you talk about targeting um the joke i always use because i live in in cape canaveral I, i've i've moved back south since you since you knew me i i, I got sense again it, it snows up there um <laughs> but like if you want to reach elon musk you're not going to get him on facebook ads but there's only one road into kennedy space center right and there's a billboard on that road that currently has it's very on brand for florida it has like an electric wheelchair company on it mm-hmm. um and like you're telling me no one in the world wants to reach employees at like SpaceX or Boeing or NASA or Elon Musk more than like the electric wheelchair outlet store. But there's never been a marketplace for offline media. We take it for granted that DoubleClick and everybody else, uh, the trade desk ha- has integrated every media channel on the planet except for four-dimensional media in, in the real world. So that's what we're doing. Four-dimensional, huh? Yeah, because time matters. Uh, mm. Fun fact, uh, one of our advertisers is a liquor store. There are 3% of people who go to the liquor store and then go to work. I was super interested to find out who they are. But in general, if you want to get people to go to the liquor store, don't show them ads when they're on their way to work. Unless they have something in common with those 3% of people. Or like you think about time, right? Like yeah. we were going to do a really cool chop campaign. And I just happened to know it was going to rain in Boston that week. Um, and so you never have to worry about rain uh you know when you're doing your facebook ads so the the time the, the social context that the person is in are, are they at the airport are they in a rush are they stuck in traffic uh are they on the beach you know enjoying a really cool airplane um you know is, is it a youth sports league there's there is a company called league side that lets you sponsor youth sports companies to the platform um all of that stuff matters in addition to being able to create an experience around somebody, uh, also being able to have it be relevant to where they are, what's going on in their life. Um, and use it to tell us, use it to tell part of the story. Like there was a, I think it was a water conservation campaign in like Montana or something. It was so cool. Cause basically less is more was their theme. And they just did like one sixth of a billboard and wrote less is more. And they did like one sixth of like a bus shelter and did like less is more. And so like just the the artistry itself can be part of the brand message, which is, it's fun, it's fun. So you said something like this is a, a solution for small business, or at least where small business can get, get into, what do you call it, OOH? Is that something you guys termed or is that just- No, new- that is the dumbest name of all time. It's the only category that defines itself by what it isn't instead of what it is. Right, right. Right. Like if I I have so much more respect for how hard it was to come up with the term inbound marketing now that I've spent two years trying to come up with something to describe how out of home doesn't make any sense. 
Um, cause it's also like, ge- like mobile ads, right? Like a third of mobile ad revenue is when people are out of home, it's not counted. Sports revenue is the same events, conferences. Like we did a takeover of the, uh, the Boston inbound event. We painted the entire city of Boston purple cost us less than sponsoring a booth. Don't tell them. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a solution for people. Like if you do what everyone else does, you're going to get what everyone else gets. Right. This is what what you and I were saying 10 years ago, which is people aren't on Twitter. They aren't doing SEO. They're not doing social media. They're not doing, you know, the stuff that they need. Now everybody's doing all those things. And so it's not a differentiator and undifferentiation favors larger companies, right? They've got a team. If you're a startup right now, you're going to come in and fight some company who's had a team of 40 people optimizing their Facebook ads for a decade. Of course not. You're never going to catch up, right? But like Brex uh, as a fintech company launched themselves entirely using billboards. Um, it's, you know, if you're an account-based marketing, if you're trying to sell enterprise software or you're trying to, you're, you're you know, a, a small business owner wants to reach cigar smokers because, you know, I mean, that's, that was pretty, pretty recently after we met, by the way, right? I had that, I had an AM FM talk radio show about cigars. That's how I ended up at HubSpot. That's how I met you. Um, and I had before this only bought billboards twice in my career. Once was just to piss off a competitor who I'm not allowed to name. Um, but the second time was a cigar lounge because it was just a very obvious, literal, like take this exit and go there kind of thing. So yeah, it's, it's cheaper than most people think. Um, it's far more effective than most people think. and it is, I don't know why, just not something people think of. I never thought about it. Did you, have you, have you ever thought about doing an out-of-home campaign? Uh, I've I bought a billboard before, you know, a, a couple of billboards before, but it was years ago. It was probably in like the nineties, right? And we were doing a live event and uh, we needed to sell tickets for the event. And so, you know, you put up, hey, come into town you know, and getting that awareness. But since then, and since I've been in small business, my own business, never. I've never thought about it, but I find what you're saying here very intriguing and interesting because, you know, um, it's the zigzag kind of theory. And you're right. It's like, yeah, back, you know, like you said, you know, 13, 15 years ago, you know, social media, digital marketing was the zig, you know, when everybody, or the zag when everybody's zigging. And now it's, it's definitely, I can see it flip. However, I think I've always felt that that would be way out of my league to be able to do something, uh, you know, with that kind of uh, marketing. So, or here's another thing. What, let me ask you this. You said, you know, it's, it's been so top of funnel that it would just seem like so much of that budget or that money would be going to waste. So have you guys figured out, I'm sure you have more how to, you know, track and make it way more realistic for a uh, small business like ours. Yeah. So one for the people in the audience who don't have quite as much gray in their beard as we do um, remember that you're talking about doing billboards in the nineties. It wasn't until 2007 that you could buy Facebook ads without having to email advertise at the facebook.com. Mm. So uh, the Facebook. Um, Facebook. 
So like that was a huge shift, right? How easy it was um, to deploy campaigns and, and, and measure them and, and optimize them. Um, and that's what we're shifting the you know media in the real world to be towards. It's where the AI comes in. It's actually, it's actually quite complicated to express um, you know, the, the audience that's going to be exposed at any given point in time, whether or not a given unit is good at driving a given outcome, uh, it is going to be at that time. Um, so, you know, it, AI was incredibly impactful for Facebook ads and Google ads, right? We all thought truck drivers were going to lose their jobs to AI first. Turns out it was Facebook ads manager. You just like <laughs> plug in the Facebook conversions API and kind of let it run. Um, the real world is so much more complicated that, you know, you really do need to have, we call it place rank, um, be able to test that hypothesis and then be able to iterate. So people who, you know, were exposed to your out-of-home media, did they take some subsequent action? And then taking that same philosophy, again, it's it's why I don't like calling it digital marketing or, or offline or online. I, I, there's there's a term here that somebody has got a coin um, because like it's the same idea of how we, even how we used to test email sends, right? Like the science of email marketing that we did like at Tuesdays at 8.30 a.m. or whatever, right? Uh, for for B2B emails. We would we would develop a hypothesis, we would test it, get the as much data back as we could, and then we would uh do another experiment better to the next time. And so that's that's how we've architected the platform just with you don't want to see our AWS bill, paid petabytes of data that we have to ingest to understand things like you want to target based on job titles, that information exists, but we have to ping like the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Right, even to know who owned what and where, there was no directory of just like who owned what and where. Like the Elon Musk billboard existed only in the Florida Department of Transportation, so we had to scrape all the state permit websites because the government's never heard of Cloudflare. Uh, and um, so, yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do is bring the things that made internet marketing great and avoid the things that made internet marketing really terrible, where it just became like this flat experience that everybody tuned out. So if we if we well, I think one of the things, just thinking back to those days, I mean, you know, uh, you would rent the billboard for, you know, a period of time, right? And uh, most of the times, part of your budget was going to be uh, after the event was over, you know, because, you know, the, it has a hard date, but let's say you have to rent for 30 days, or, you know, and, and you rent it for two months, and then the last two weeks of that month, your event's already over, but the billboard's still up and you still paid for it, you know, uh, or here's another thing. I'm not able to, like you said, you know, reiterate the the uh, uh, creatives as, as things change. Um, how are you guys helping with that or handling that? Or does it give me that sort of flexibility now? Yeah, so th this is the other great lesson that I've had from this experience, which is uh, uh, intellectual hu humility. Um, we came into this thinking we were going to fight Facebook with machine learning, and we can and we will. Um, but it's the joke of like, you can't sell cars in a country without roads. It doesn't matter if it's a fancy AI powered self-driving car, mm -hmm. you still have to have roads. And so right now I've got a bunch of Tesla engineers basically laying asphalt. Like my software engineers are very good at what they do. They're you know, AI engineers. Um, but we are building things like integrations with the printer. 
Like imagine if you had to buy something on Amazon and then call a paper company to have a box made and then call UPS to see if they wouldn't mind swinging by and picking it up and then dropping it off. Like that's how this process works. That's why it takes so much time. It's why you have to buy it for 30 days. So the, the largest printer in the country, their CEO and I have a goal to get the turnaround time from order to deployment down to less than 24 hours. Mm. So if you wanted to rent it for three days, you could. Whereas right now, legit, just logistically, they can't move faster than that. Now there's some, there's digital billboards. There's other things you can do where you can buy literally for a few seconds. Um, but the, the vast majority, 97% of the inventory uh, in the United States is still static. It's still printed uh, inventory. Um, so again, to the cost thing, it depends. If you want to buy that Elon Musk billboard, I'm pretty sure it's like 400 bucks a month. Um, but that's just because despite me using it as an example, nobody wants to buy it. Um, if you, there's a great site called blip billboards where you can buy like just individual, uh, you know, one little blip at a time. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's dumb that you have to buy for big time chunks. So are you guys kind of overlaying over top of all of that? And is that what you're, so you are laying the groundwork for, is this going to be something, you know? that later on other people will, or other companies are going to be able to build off of, like, that's what I'm trying to, are you guys building this out to use for yourself, but doing in one of these Amazon things where all of a sudden we can rent out the AWS to other companies? Yeah. I mean, you and I learned platform strategy at the same time, right? So uh, if this plan sounds familiar, uh, an, an all-in-one system that then integrates with a bunch of other systems uh, yeah. it's because it, my background was at HubSpot. Um, but basically, if you combine Shopify and Amazon's business model, it's the most analogous because these, these media operators are running off spreadsheets and post-it notes, right? Like famous yeah. sports stadiums that you, you would know by name are using Google Sheets to manage their ad sales um, or literally whiteboards. So we have a free like SaaS platform that we give to media operators so they don't have to use photo sheets. That's the us paving the roads, right? Is that way we know availability and pricing so they because they know it. Um, and then we have Amazon on the other side. I've, I've always thought that uh, a big failure in both Amazon and Shopify strategy is Shopify should have a, and maybe they do and I just don't know about it, an option that lets you cross sell between websites to make it so that every store is an everything store, just like Amazon. And Amazon should always have given people the ability to, to have their own like CDN CMS thing um, where you can have like your own educational content, et cetera, basically just like Shopify. If you blend those two models, you've got something beautiful because you've got, you're able to run your own business on your own, but you're able to be part of a larger integrated ecosystem. And that's what we hope to do for the world of buyers and sellers of offline media. Wow. Okay. Okay. That I get it. I get it. I get it. It makes a lot of sense. So if I wanted to get started, I'm a small business. I got, you know, uh, I don't know what business, like you said, a cigar, you know, shop. Uh, and I want to do some targeted marketing for my area. So what would that be? Maybe 50 miles at radius. I could come to one screen and you guys can help me uh, plan that out and give me a strategy for maybe blanketing my area. Uh, another tip for entrepreneurs listening, get the .com, 
remember, we thought this was going to be a hackathon, so we didn't put that much thought into the name. So like having to say one screen dot AI constantly. I also yeah. own on screen dot AI because it's kind of misspelling. <laughs> spend more time in your naming exercise, even if you don't think wow. it's going to be what you spend the rest of your life doing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if you go to if you go to one screen dot AI, this is you remember back in the day where we had to explain to CEOs what a search engine was before we could get them to do SEO. That's where we're at now. So we have a lot of content. We've got a lot of resources. You can check out the platform at discover.onescreen.ai. But realistically, just like in the early days of inbound marketing, you're going to want to hop on a call. Um, I, I don't know. Screw it. I'm, I'm the CEO now, so I get to not get yelled at by the PR team, which is not true. But uh, one of my favorite business quotes comes from a guy named Alec, Alan Rubin, who owns Alec Bradley Cigars. Uh, and his... His statement was always that his biggest competitor is not a better cigar. It's a worse cigar because then people don't smoke cigars anymore. And that's mm. very much true in out-of-home media. We talked to a Fortune 1000 company and like, oh, we tried out-of-home and it didn't work. And we looked at the, well, like, no, you tried a stupid plan. And of course it didn't work, right? So like, it's more important to us um, that people start small, they see, they learn, they see the impact, they expand from there than it is to, you know, to, to try and just get, get people spending as much as possible because we, this should be part of your ongoing marketing mix. This, this is going to be a, just like there are social media managers. Now there are going to be, I don't know what they're going to call it. Offline growth specialists or 40 marketing managers, whatever. I don't know. Somebody please come up with a term. This is not my specialty. Um, you know, th this is going to be a job at companies moving forward. Uh, and it's some, some, something to get ahead of. And, and also fun. Again, just throwing this out there. Like being able to have, if, if I had known that I could target the Dreamforce conference back when I was at HubSpot, that was a big, big competitor, uh, that I could have just wrapped an ice cream truck in HubSpot Orange and parked it across the street. Uh, that would have been so much easier and cheaper than all the like weird hacks and stuff that I was trying to do. Right. I, I don't know if Benioff has a kid or not, but I could have sponsored his kids like softball team and made them put like a HubSpot Sprocket t-shirt on his kid every week. Come on. Like you can't, you can't yeah. do this stuff on the internet. This, this, this is exclusive to the real world. Oh my gosh, man. Uh, I remember going to a long time, you know, a long time ago, cause I started on eBay. I remember going to an eBay conference and um, one of their competitors I can't even remember the name of the stupid competitor, but it's still around. What is that? Uh, what's that shopping platform? Oh, I can't remember. Etsy, but it, Weebly. No, it's not. A, it's not. It's it's a. It's like a bargain platform. I can't. And the the, the CEO was a little. I can't even remember the name of the darn platform. But anyway, um, it doesn't matter. But what they did is they scheduled. They had a huge party with like a, you know, a big uh, uh, entertainer. And they had buses that would take you from the eBay event to their party, you know? And um, a lot of people didn't go to the eBay party because they wanted to go see the group perform. And they, you know, went on that. And I thought that was one of the greatest, you know, ways to get, more of the sellers in the eBay community aware of this platform and it really worked. But yes, you're right. Uh, there are so many ways 
you can, like you said, just an ice cream truck. Yeah, Get it's a real thing. Ice cream. It's a real right. thing. Ramp.com did that at Miami Tech Week. They got floating billboards and drove them past all of Brex's like VIP parties on the beach. Um, like when I used to teach at Harvard, I, I used to say like greed and fear are the two human great human motivators for behavior. And I had a, a guy who taught interrogation for the FBI take my class and he's like, well, what about spite? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, spite can get like criminals to turn on each other, but there's not really a business application. Turns out there is uh, a business application of spite. We could call it competitive dynamics, but uh, no, yeah, it's it, it's the ability to be creative and still have the ability to be data-driven. And I, and I think what's interesting to me, and you, hopefully this will resonate with you, I, I was trying to explain to our team like how transformative this is, right? I, I was like, remember before the internet, you know, people thought of marketers as the team that sat in the corner playing with crayons, right? Uh, your marketing budget was always the first thing to get cut, et cetera. Um, there's something like only, like 78% of CEOs didn't think that marketers could prove they drove business value. The internet came along, made our jobs kind of kind of easy, right? It was very clear, very crisp what we had to do. Um, and then now that's no longer a viable option because you always have to be evolving. Uh, the internet grew so much uh, in terms of like its adoption and its scope and its depth that an entire generation of marketers have never had to figure out a new medium. Like the difference between TikTok and Instagram is not meaningful. Uh, the difference between like the internet and direct mail, that's meaningful. And that was uh, our head of Brandon Buzz. She kind of like pulled me aside afterwards. She's like, keep in mind that most of the people on our team do not remember marketing before the internet. Um, wow. And so that's, that's a big challenge about why are marketers so stuck in their ways? They've never known anything different. That to them, this is traditional marketing, Facebook ads and, and AdWords and SEO. This, that's traditional marketing. And, you know, the, the other things, even connected TV, podcast advertising, things that, that can be very highly targeted, uh, don't enter their consideration set because there's no click. There's no, there's no simple feedback loop. Wow. See, and I take that for granted that everybody knows that, but you're right. I mean, come on. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even that old, but there's VPs of marketing and CMOs and stuff like that who, you know, uh, their their first campaign on Facebook did not require them to email advertise at the Facebook.com. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wow. So this is fresh. This is fresh and new to most, right? Uh, even though it's been around, I mean, you know that you touch you and you see marketing all around us. You know, from the the bus stop bench, you know, to the the flyers, and and things like that. But yeah, okay, okay. So there's are you trying? There have been people. There's been somebody posting this week's Mastodon specials on a wall somewhere. Right. Yeah. Right. So I mean, you're sitting now. You did. You just said you guys put this together in 2020, which I find kind of ironic because this is the one time we're not leaving our home. So how did that even work in your brain? Yeah, I mean, the good thing about being a startup is um, you like really crappy weather to fight in because you can survive when other people can't. You don't have fixed costs. You don't have institutional inertia. You don't have internal politics. There's three of us. 
right? And then like a fourth person part-time, another old school HubSpotter, Kyle James, that you, you may have known him actually. Um, and so, you know, we were building out the platform as everybody was stuck in their homes mm -hmm. and two trends happened at the same time. One, everybody poured all of their budget into internet advertising because that's where you could get people. Um, and that drove prices up. And then two, you also had the privacy debate start to be, begin in earnest. So your ability to target, uh, you know, on really creepy parameters diminished. So worse targeting and more competition, prices didn't go up. They went up really fast. So it created this tailwind for us where once people start, did start coming out of their homes, um, one, they actually enjoyed the media more. Like seeing a billboard is, you know, you, you kind of missed it in 2020 when you'd been stuck in an apartment for six months. Um, but two, uh, because it it lowered the, the revenues of the out-of-home industry, but the out-of-home industry has such ridiculously high margins that it didn't really hurt the out-of-home industry. Uh, it crushed uh, everybody whose business was reliant on cheap Facebook ad clicks, right? So right. that's the you know, another lesson, diversification. If you rely on a single channel for growth, unless you own that channel, you are putting yourself at risk. You don't own Facebook, you don't own Google. And if those are the only mechanisms that you have to drive growth, you're kind of like, you know, at their, at their mercy. So yeah, 2020, um, it's probably, I, th I think it was like June, 2020, we decided to make this a real thing. Um, instead of just like handing out checks to my favorite bartender, uh, in Boston. Um, and then we launched the first version of the platform in 2021. And now we've got cool, cool customers, people you wouldn't think very, like a lot of B2B uh, performance marketers, companies like Amplitude, Constant Contact. We've got BetMGM and Groupon and some of the people you might think as well, but like, um, it's kind of fun because it's companies like I'm a fan of, right? I'm a fan of Amplitude, Full Story and Reprise. And now they're, they're customers of mine. Exciting. Exciting. What's the future for you guys, man? Uh, the future is to, to take it one step at a time. Um, I realize I'm a walking fortune cookie, but if, if you try and boil the ocean with a match, it doesn't make it a bad match. It makes it a really bad plan. And I think if I, if I made one big mistake last year, uh, it was to let us get overexcited about the number of things we can do. Right. What about events? What about sports venues? Right. What about um, what about mobile advertising? If you combine Facebook ads with uh, billboards and, and retargeting on Facebook ads, the increase on effectiveness is just absolutely insane. What about, you know, creating like an integration platform for all the different data sources? Um, it's the only time in my career I wished I had more competitors because there'd be less things for us to build there. I looked at it yesterday, something like 10,800 Internet MarTech companies. There are 69 offline MarTech companies, if you count Verizon and the people who are in every category. So my big thing to the team is we're used to thinking about startups in terms of like a flat sprint, right? Like you got to go, you got to push 200 code updates a day because Salesforce is pushing 300 code updates a day. Um, and now it's, this, this is a marathon. This is a, can we get a directory of who owns what and where? Cool. Mm -hmm. Now, can we automate the process of getting availability and pricing because people like sending faxes? Cool. Like that very kind of iterative uh, iterative process. And the great thing is that out-of-home is so effective and so relatively inexpensive that 
even though I don't think we've invested as much time into AI as we want to, right? Like Andre's got a master's in AI from Columbia University and he's building workflow management tools. Um, it's still like demonstrably works. So we're going to be, well, I'm pretty excited. We're going to be in the envious position of the only people we have to beat is ourselves, right? Nobody's yeah. pushing the ball faster than us. So it's, it's fun. Yeah. Very exciting, man. Sam, this has been uh, an educational lesson on what's go. I don't want to just, I don't want to brand it yet because uh, there's no word for it, like you said, but uh, you know, Hey, I always end my interviews with this one last question. I want to ask you this question. Is there something that I should have asked you that I didn't? Most people right now are very interested in how everyone's looking at the macro economy. And I have a relatively controversial opinion on the macro economy, which is that somehow the entire world of startups and venture capital investors just deleted economics 101 from their minds for the last 15 years. <laughs> Maybe um, 20. We, we, <laughs> We built $100 billion industries on the idea that there'd be 0% interest rates forever, right? Like the buy now, pay later uh, startups and things like that. Mm. Um, we had these really long, you know, customer acquisition payback periods that we were letting startups have um, without, like you put $2 trillion of stimulus in the economy, you're going to have inflation come out the other side. Like that's Absolutely. That's not a controversial opinion. And so everybody's panicking and there's all these massive layoffs. And, you know, and they're acting as if there's no possible way we could have seen all of this coming. Uh, and I think that it is, you know, this is, a, this is a low point, right? Like things will balance up uh, again. Um, hopefully it doesn't get as insane as it was, especially for like the last couple of years. And if it does, it's a vindication of like the people who execute on the fundamentals instead of being like, just add you know, powered by the blockchain to your startup name and congratulations, you're now worth a hundred million dollars. Um, the people who are like focused on creating real value, I think are, are going to be the winners. So that's, that's my opinion. I have very little sympathy for all the people who are like acting super shocked and surprised by the fact that there's a, a macroeconomic contraction and that that's going to cascade through your ability to, you know, uh, have that low cost access to capital, your, uh, you know, your, your customer's ability to have low access, uh, uh low cost access to capital and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great point and a great place to probably end this because, uh, we could go on and on, on that one. You opened up a whole Pandora's box there, but I love your take on it, Sam. Thanks so much guy. And, uh, if people want to get, engage with one screen and and follow you of course where do they go a great thing about my name is if you google anything even close you'll find me malakarjanan <laughs> so malakarjanan.com malakarjanan on twitter malakarjanan on linkedin uh reference the podcast i always like to talk uh to to marketers about what they're seeing um or come check out onescreen.ai and uh let me know how the sales team does if you're listening to this podcast and you talk to our sales team shoot me a note on Twitter and give them a, give them a grade zero to 10. <laughs> there you go. All right, buddy. I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Keep doing what you do and let's not make it a couple of years before we catch up. Cause I am totally interested in what you're doing. All right. Thanks.
Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for catching up. You too, man. Hang out. But you guys, we're out of here. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Smartest Podcast. I hope you found that conversation helpful and inspiring. So be sure to subscribe and do not miss any future episodes. Until next time, enjoy your journey of success. Thanks for listening. Thank you.